Hey, this is Chris Torres. I'm the youth pastor here at Embrace Fellowship Church, and this is the Embrace Students Podcast. If it's your first time tuning in, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. I hope that you can enjoy today's message. Who's excited to be in here tonight? Come on. I like the energy in the house tonight. We're getting ready to dive into week two of our series called The Youth Will Always Win. And actually, if you didn't listen to week one, it is up on Spotify. You may want to be cautious. I do want to warn you. I start the message off with a whisper, and then I get really loud. So if you're going to wear headphones and listen to it, just, just caution, okay? There's some caution there. But we're getting ready to get into week two. But before we start the message, I want to tell you about the time where I thought I broke my TV. Has anybody in here ever been classified as clumsy? Anybody? Just, okay, great. Not just me. Because as I was growing up, I was always told that I was clumsy. It was something that I, I had actually just engraved into my mind because I thought that it was who I am. And it's who God made me to be, to be clumsy, which wasn't the truth. Also, by the way, this is water, just in case if you guys are, you know, taking a double take. <laughs> but um, I remember a time when we were moving, moving away from my old childhood home and to the new home that my mom currently stays at right now. And as we were moving, and as, as we begin to start unloading a bunch of stuff, um, I remember that everybody was very careful with what they handed me. You know, I wasn't allowed to, to hold the dishes. I wasn't allowed to hold um, anything too expensive. But when it came to my room, I wanted to make sure that I was the one carrying everything <laughs> that was in my room. So, um, you know, in my own brain, I felt that I wasn't clumsy, but the truth is, is I was. I really was really clumsy, and I learned to get over that. But in my own brain, I thought, man, I, I'm not clumsy. I, I can do anything that I set my mind to. To me, it was like things had just got in the way, right? So when I tripped getting out of my mom's truck and I dropped her phone and cracked it, it wasn't my fault. It was the truck's fault, right? The truck was in my way. Can I get an amen, somebody? Right? Okay. It, when she said, ride the bus. Um, whenever I had dropped that plate that one time and shattered it across the, the, the kitchen floor, it wasn't my fault that the plate was wet, and so I couldn't get a grip. It was the plate's fault. Am I right? Anybody agree with me? I wasn't clumsy. It was everything else that was clumsy. And so all, all, all of this thinking was me trying to just put my mind to something, thinking that I could do whatever I had my mind to. So when we were moving and setting things up, um, I had grabbed my TV out of the truck and, you know, me thinking, I'm not clumsy, I'm not going to drop this. I'm, I'm walking to my room. Everybody else is around the house kind of setting things up. And I get to my bedroom, and uh, the power cable is dangling beneath. And I step on the power cable. The TV slings out of my hands and falls face first, flat, boom, screen first onto the carpet floor. And my first reaction is, oh, my God, I'm screwed. I just, <laughs> I just broke the TV my mom bought me for Christmas. Like, this was just a couple months ago. Uh, literally, I think it was like February and we were moving. So I was very, I mean, I was in shock. And so in a rush, because I hear people start to come towards my bedroom, I quickly grab the TV, I set it up on the dresser, and I run to my Xbox and I start setting up my Xbox because I'm like, okay, this was here the whole time. I'm just going to set up the Xbox because I, you know, I, I never dropped anything. I'm not clumsy. And so <laughs> I'm setting things up 
I'm making my room look nice and neat. And later that night, I had totally forgotten about the TV. And my friends text me. They're like, hey, let's get on Xbox, dude. Let's go talk trash, you know, in a Call, in a call of Duty lobby. And so <laughs> I'm like, yeah, dude, that sounds like a lot of fun. Like, let's get on Black Ops and let's just, let's murder some people. So, um, <laughs> and so I, I get to my Xbox. I turn it on. I, I hit the button on my TV and nothing happens. <laughs> And I start freaking out, right? I'm looking at my TV. I see it's this huge problem in front of me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I forgot. I broke my TV. What am I going to tell my mom? What am I going to tell my brother? What am I going to do? And so I start looking at the TV, thinking of any possible way I could fix it, right? I'm like looking at it from the side. Is it dented? Because if it's dented, maybe I can just, you know, undent it back and it'll work perfectly fine without any lines in it, right? But the truth is my freaking out was only short-lived because in all of the chaos, in all, of, in all of the big trouble, I did, and after I exhausted all of my options, I finally decided to just retrace my steps. So I was like, okay, I dropped the TV here, <laughs> and then I picked it up, and then I plugged it in, and, and I realized I never plugged in the TV. And so I grabbed the cable, and I plug it in, and I look back at the TV, and I say a quick prayer to the Lord up above, and I hit the power button, and it turns on. And nothing was wrong with the TV. The TV was perfectly fine. But the truth is, and the reason why I tell you this story is because I had this heavy burden on my life for just a split second. And the smallest thing, the simplest thing to just check the power connection was actually the last thing on my mind. And now it's the very first thing that I check every time. You know, I didn't think that something that small would be able to fix my problem. And the truth is, sometimes in our lives... We see this huge problem occur, right? Something in your families, in your friend groups. Maybe it's something uh, on social media that you see that's happening around the world. Whatever it may be, and it hurts your heart. We see these huge problems, and it becomes hard to focus on even just the smallest things. And we try to realize, uh, we, or we try to come up with an idea on how we can fix these problems in our lives, right? And we always keep looking at the bigger picture, and so the smaller things sometimes become overlooked, and we think when we look at these small things that it's not even going to make a dent in the problem that we're facing or the problem that we have. And so for me, the truth is the power cable seemed like the smallest thing to check on. I was 100% sure that I was plugged in. But the truth is I wasn't. And because of this, I overlooked something that I thought was small and it actually became the biggest factor. Does that make sense to you tonight? Because spiritually, we do the same thing, right? We face a problem in our lives, and we try our best to look at everything else that we can do, anything else that we can do in order to fix it, and it becomes hard to focus on the small things that we already have. And so sometimes, we simply give up. We just say, hey, this is out of my control, and there's nothing that I can do. And we forget that Jesus can supply our needs and miraculously provide for what he has already given us. And sometimes the smallest things in our lives will be the very thing that Jesus can use to fix the biggest problem that we're facing. And so the title of today's message is, if you're taking notes, is use what you have for God. Very simple. Use what you have for God. We're going to read in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. And it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, 
in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Would you pray with me really quick as we get ready? God, we just ask, Lord, that you would come into this place. God, that you would move in our hearts, God, that you would move in our lives tonight. Jesus, I pray that as the message is spoken through me from you, God, that the students in this room and the leaders in this room, God, would be able to take something from it. And Lord, leave this place different than the way that they came in. God, I pray for open minds and open hearts. Lord, I pray that it's none of me tonight and all of you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So if we're going to use what we have for God, first we have to start with who we are and who God made us into. Can we read that verse again? It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. So when we present ourselves simply with who we are and what we have, God calls it our true worship. So what does that mean for us? What, is that, what does that look like? Well, when we read in John chapter 6, we can start to try to make some connections on how we can present ourselves just as we are by looking at the example of a little young boy and how God will use whatever we can give, even the smallest things, for his glory. Would you read with me? In John chapter 6, it says, and after this, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee, and a huge crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was performing by healing the sick. And Jesus went up a mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now, the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. So when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming towards him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so that these people can eat? I remember when I read this for the first time, I'm like, why, is, why would Jesus be asking this kind of question? I stopped there. I put a period. And then very quickly, I read the next verse. And it says, he asked this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. This verse, I, I think, reminds me very much so that even when we don't know the answers, Jesus does. And in verse 7, it says, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to even just have a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, hey, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down, and the men numbered about 5,000. And I, I want to point something out that maybe you've heard before, but it only accounts for the men, right? 5,000 men. If you, if you couple that with women and children, the number doubles. Continuing in verse 11, it says, Then Jesus took the loaves, and giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. We're almost done here. Pay attention. When they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled with 12 baskets with pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. 
all I can think about when I hear this story is, wow. I mean, what a story. What an example of God's power. But a lot of the times, I remember when I was reading this when I was your age, I would always overlook something that was so crucial. So tonight, I want to point out a couple things for you. First is that the disciples saw what they thought was a huge problem. When in reality, they forgot the king of kings was with them. The Lord of lords was on their side. Quite literally, the disciples were tripping, right? Some of you cringe. You're like, what? Why would he say that? You know, they thought, how are we ever going to be able to feed so many people? Where in the world are we going to gather the money? We, we don't even have the money. How, how are we going to feed so many people? And then one of the disciples says, hey, this, this, this little boy has his, his lunchbox here, but inside of it is just a, a couple goldfish and some crackers. And Jesus says, hey, that's enough. Not literally, obviously, it was some bread and fish. But they didn't have the money. They didn't have the time. But in verse 9, we see that mention of the boy who had just some food. And when the boy brought his food up to the Lord, it was that food that would be multiplied to feed everyone. And you see, this is an example that we can look at us presenting yourself just as you are with just what you have and how God will use even the smallest portion of what you have to offer for his glory. You see, you don't have to have these miraculous gifts, these miraculous things. You don't have to be an extravagant speaker. You don't have to be somebody with a lot of money. You don't even have to have a lot of time because God is the creator of time and he's going to do anything that he can to use even the smallest things that you have for his glory. And so I want to fo focus in on verse 6 where it says, He asked this to test them, for he himself knew what he was going to do. You see, we see that Jesus had already knew the answer to the question that he was asking. And we see that he was testing them to see their faith. And oftentimes, a lot of the times actually, God may put us in a situation that we, that, that we, we, we can't do on our own. God may put us in a situation that is far beyond our own abilities. And the only thing that we can do is rely on him to use us in a miraculous way. Rely on him to do something. Rely on God to do the miraculous. And you see, Jesus was intentionally setting the disciples up to show them the power of, the faithful, of faithfulness and obedience. Something that we all need a little bit more practice in, right? And this, this setup, it wasn't a form of punishment, right? When we get into these situations where we feel like the problem is well past our own capabilities, it doesn't mean that it's a punishment, even though sometimes we may see it as, as if it were that. But the truth is, God is trying to teach us how to be faithful with the little that he has given us. And then surrender to him, to give everything that we have to him, because he will do the rest. Because just like the disciples, we find ourselves in situations like these, and sometimes we think, God, what am I going to do? How, how am I ever going to get through this? I, 
God, I can't pray for that person. I, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't even know what they're going to think. I, I can't lead this person to you, Jesus. I don't know what to do. I don't even know my Bible that much. I can't be the example in my family. Jesus, they know my past. They know where I've messed up. They know what I've done. You see, some of you are struggling in here with the force of comparison, and it's killing you inside. Because you feel like you'll never be like this person or that person. Oh, if only I could be like blank. Fill in the blank. If only I had blank. You see, the disciples, the disciples said that it was impossible to feed the crowds. They were focused on the natural. But a young boy who simply just had his lunch, brought what he had to Jesus so that he could do the supernatural. And so tonight, I'm telling you that you have everything right now that Jesus wants to use, and he's going to use it for his glory, and he's going to get you through those troubles that you may face or are currently facing. And as he's using you, he's going to shape you into the person that you're meant to be and to the leader that you're meant to be. Because this world, come on, this world can't take any more people who think they can handle it all on their own. You see, the truth is, we need Jesus. And we need him to do the supernatural. We have to learn now how to lean on him and steward properly the little things that he has given us. Because when we, when we come across our own problems in life, we have to try our best to not look at them like the disciples did and say, this is impossible, and I don't know how I'm ever going to get through this. I want to encourage you tonight to remember that God just wants you to trust in him. And he says, give me what you, can, what you have. God says, give me everything that you have, even if it's just a little, and I will do the rest. Instead of, tonight I want to tell you, instead of focusing on the big problem, simply surrender your small portion and let God use it. In Luke chapter 6, we see the importance of using the small things. Because stewardship starts with the small. Let's read Luke chapter 6 verse 10. It says, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So I want to ask you a tough question tonight, students. And I need you to take this in, consider it, genuinely consider it. What are you holding back from God because you think it's not enough? All that God is looking for is faithfulness with what he has already given you. There are problems in our lives that we are inevitably going to face. It's going to come. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that it won't. And so tonight, as we get ready to go into our small groups, I want each of you to take a piece of paper. Can somebody grab some paper for me? forgot to provide that. I want each of you to take a piece of paper that Aaron's about to go grab. And in your small groups, I want you to begin to start writing a list of the small things that you don't feel can help. 
And if you have your phones, feel free to open up the note app and begin to start drawing those down right now. Because maybe tonight you're facing a big problem in your own life or in your family. And you think, I'm too young. I can't make a difference. God says, give it to me and I'll show you what I can do. Maybe for some of you the problem is within your friend groups. And you don't think that you can share the gospel because you feel like you don't know the Bible enough. And God is saying, your testimony is enough. My grace in your life is enough. My mercy in your life is enough. And I'm going to use you to change the lives of the people you love. The grace I've given you, the mercy I've given you, your testimony is enough. Or maybe you feel like you have no good qualities. You look at yourself in the mirror every day. And you don't feel like God could even use a person like you. And maybe it stems from your past. Maybe you feel like you're too shy, too reserved, too closed off. You struggle with too many sins. Whatever it may be, God is saying tonight, you're just the person that I need. You're just the person I need to show to others. That I can use anyone for my glory. You're just the person I need to show others that beauty can come from within the ashes. So tonight, Aaron is getting ready to pass out all these pieces of paper and a little pencil. And I want you to write down those small things that you feel like God can't use. And I want you to surrender them to God tonight. And then ask Jesus to solve your problem with you. Can we get a little pad? Because... I'm going to take a little time to worship and pray. It doesn't have to be a song, just something. I want you to know tonight that you don't have to face your problems alone. You don't have to walk this journey alone. Jesus wants to use you. Even if you feel like the smallest things about you could never make a dent in the world. Ask Jesus tonight to solve this problem that you may be facing with you so that you don't have to feel like you're doing it alone. Because, listen, Jesus knows what he's doing. The situation that you are in or might be in soon, Jesus can handle it. Because Jesus already knows what he's going to do in response to your faithfulness and your obedience. Simply offer what he has already given you and trust Jesus with everything. And he will work in the miraculous. He will work a miracle. He will work within you. And he will use you to make an impact. We're going to take a couple seconds here. I'm going to begin to start praying. And as I pray, go ahead and start writing some things down. Some things that you feel, maybe it's an insecurity. Maybe it's your past. These things seem so small. Or maybe to you, they're even too big. And you feel like God could never use those things. This series is called The Youth Will Always Win because I'm here to remind you guys that this next generation is going to be a generation for Jesus. And you have to know that everything that God has for you it's just through the other side of that door. Let's pray.
Jesus, I pray that tonight, Lord, that the students would begin, and even maybe the leaders, would begin to start writing down some things and giving them over to you. Jesus, where we feel so small and we feel like we can't make an impact, God, I pray that you would begin to start taking those things as we steward them into you, Lord. And we say, God, I don't know how to do what you want me to do with what I have, but Jesus, I'm trusting in you and I surrender it all to you so that, that you, God, would be able to use it for your glory. God, I pray that you would use these students and begin to start rising up a generation of leaders for Christ. God, that when they walk around the school, when they walk among their classmates, God, that they would be such a glow and such a light that the people would know that there's something different about this generation. There's something different about these students. And God, it's you. God, when they walk around their family, when they walk around even just the church, God, that people would see them here or in public, God, and they would see something different. Jesus, begin to start changing their hearts. God, healing their minds and healing their past. Lord, as they begin to start giving over some of the small things to you so that you can make it into something big for your glory. Jesus, we love you and we thank you in your mighty name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks again for tuning in this week. We really hope that you were blessed by today's message. Why don't you consider sharing this message with a friend who may need it? And if you really liked it, subscribe to this podcast to hear more messages like this one. Remember, you are loved. Have a blessed week.